Hello. This podcast is for those 18 and older. In general, we like that. Uh, if you like what you hear, go to MassCast.com and donate and support Axe in all of his wonderful projects, because he's pretty fucking cool. And my name is Sarah Eileen, and you're about to listen to him give me shit for a little time. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Sexy voices make me think, and that question, so how did you get started in kink? Sadists, sluts, subs, doms, and slaves, here's a place where all are safe. All Massacast, all Massacast, can you hear it? Hear it, hear, kink is in your ear, licentiously, pervertedly, alluringly, luring me, I'll just be listening to Massacast. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Massacast. As I record this, this is November 1st, which means tomorrow is Election Day in America. So if you're in the United States, please go out and vote. I know I should have told that in the last episode, since most of you are hearing this after Election Day. If you didn't vote, don't worry, I I voted three times for each of you. So that... Actually, I think that only works in Chicago. But still, uh, if you're hearing this and it's on November 1st, or November 2nd, you still have time to vote. 9 p.m. is where most places uh, shut down. Uh, check your local listings. Just got a few few announcements for you. Uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, there is now a Massacast profile on FetLife. You can type in M-A-S-O-C-A-S-T and you can see the profile and you can friend me. Uh, also, you can rate an episode in iTunes. You can rate the podcast in iTunes and also write a review if you are so inclined. Also, if you have suggestions for the Massacast, you can contact me on FetLife. You can email Massacast at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 917-720-7304. Someone actually called that number recently and basically masturbated with, with a, a very unique sex toy. And you can hear the whole thing. And it was meant specifically for use on the Massacast. And we'll be using that in, in a future future episode. This is the type of thing you can use it for. If you want to rec- go ahead and just call that number and record yourselves having hot sex, that's fine. Whatever. This episode is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Visit EdenFantasies.com to browse their extensive library of personal toys, bondage gear, sexual health products, and much, much more. You'll also find product reviews from orgasm seekers just like you. Take a look at their free sex-positive magazine, Sexist, for stories and advice from your favorite sex bloggers, some of whom who have been on the Massacast. Enter EFCAST, that's E-F-C-A-S-T, upon checkout to get 20% off your order. And don't forget, you can share your experiences and reviews of their products at EdenFantasies.com. Thanks, as always, to their sponsorship. So, this episode, a conversation with my friend Sarah, who you heard at the at the intro. Um, I've known her for quite a while, and uh, I've been lucky to call her a friend. So, at the start of the uh, conversation, we, we started talking about her involvement in a kink event called floating world now it's post floating world yep let's just briefly for those people who don't know floating world is a big huge kink event it's actually sort of more of an alt sex broad community event so we bring in kinky people and poly people and swingers and tantra and lots of queer folks and you know i think it's kink primarily but it's gotten a lot broader since it started yeah but it's big it's in new jersey in august it's about 1200 people it's fun when you have, first off, it, everything went well? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Every, 
Um, it's it's an interesting question because yes, everything went really well. Um, I was one of the one of the directors. You know, yeah. um, there are four event directors. I was one of the assistants, and then we had one head honcho, sort of how it works. And then we have an amazing staff of people underneath us, and my staff was like the most amazing, most amazing people in mm-hmm. the world. And uh, no, the event went fantastically from every, every feedback, every piece of feedback that I've gotten from, you know, my friends and people who came, who I met that weekend or have talked to online, feedback is, is overwhelmingly positive, which is very gratifying, obviously. Like, it's always great to hear Mm -hmm. you did a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. But this year's floating world was, um, I think much more diverse than previous years. It had a huge range of programming. It brought in a lot of people that people had never seen before. We had the advantage of having some really fantastic presenters who we don't get at uh, events on the East Coast very often, and we don't just get at that kind of event very often, as well as having you know some of the best people for, who are local, some of the best people who we've seen, but who really brought amazing stuff to the event. So it was great. and. You know, it was fantastic and it was hard. Like, you know, let's mm-hmm. be upfront. It was really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. We worked our asses off. We were a little short-staffed. And sometimes we were a lot short-staffed. It happens. Whatever. Um, and, like, overall, if you want to, like, talk about the public sense of the event, it was great. My event was a little less than awesome because I was so stressed the entire time. <laughs> um, so I didn't really, I didn't really, like, have the big floating world experience where you go to all the classes and you see all the amazing people speak and you like go and have the amazing scenes in the dungeon and like get to play on all the gear and all. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I just sort of like was there and was very busy and I was helping my partner Zach at his booth. He was vending. So we were, we were doing that. Um, and I still had a great weekend Mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of people whom I love and I got in some good scenes and I got to go to the pool party and like chill out and just be relaxed for a little bit. But there was no like great catharsis for me. I didn't like walk away being like, yes, that was amazing. I actually walked away uh, kind of exhausted and just like, okay, that was good. Feels like theater. We're all really tired. We need a cast party. <laughs> Desperately need a cast party. When I first asked you about how it went, I asked you, so how did it go? And you, you, you almost did this. You went, uh, was you're just trying to trying to get your thoughts together, like how did it go? It probably went just went by so fast, and then everything was just so. It was. I mean, yeah, it went by incredibly quickly. If I may ask a few, yeah, you centered questions about these. You don't really get to go to any classes. You don't really get to play a lot, I imagine, because you're really working the whole I time. I mean, a few. I got a little bit in there. Right, but um, what's in it for you? <laughs> Oh, I hate so, but that the way you describe the way you, the way you describe this, if someone were to say, which they would never ask me to do the same job you did, but you know, if someone said, "Hey, do you want to do something that's very similar to what?" You, I'm like, Fuck, wait, what? That's an interesting question because I've been doing events forever and theater forever, and there sort of is this incredibly satisfying and gratifying moment in theater productions or in event production where you sort of look around and like, Oh my God, I built this. Mm -hmm. Like we built this. This is amazing. This temporary world that came about because of, you know, a number of dedicated souls who just worked their asses off and hopefully also get to enjoy it and be there. And if they do, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes that's what happens. Like Mm -hmm. I've worked, I've worked countless theater productions where I just never got to see the show. I think that events like Floating World are important. Events in general are important. Things that 
allow us to create the temporary worlds where we really live the identities that we can't live on a day-to-day basis and some of us can mm-hmm. and those people are very lucky and others of us can't and it's good to have a space to do that have a space where we get to learn from amazing people where we get to meet new folks where we get to have this sort of temporary autonomous zone uh that allows for this amazing amount of freedom there are very few opportunities to build worlds like that and that's pretty fucking amazing just to be able to do that um and i care about that like oh you know obviously Mm -hmm. definitely care about it and i think that the community cares about it and the community responds and gives back and says this was great like thank you it was it was fantastic um so yeah i mean the flip side to that is i uh i think that this event floating world more than any other other event i've ever worked on takes a lot out of me um, and I think it takes a lot out of a lot of its staff for, you know, a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of the major ones being that it's just so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a thing that needs to be balanced. And that's a decision that needs to be made on a day-to-day or year-to-year basis. Like, am I going to do this again? Um, but if someone ever asked you to come and organize an event, I would hope that you would say at least I'll try. Like, I'll do a little bit or something like that. With the hope that you, if you do it well enough, you'll get the event and the catharsis that's the concept that never never actually occurs but that is sort of the the idea i was reading your blog (laughs) which by the way i'm apparently one of a few people who have a password for it that's pretty slick that's pretty awesome uh yeah no i um basically recently decided that i needed a place online to be able to post work that writing that didn't belong on my personal site Mm -hmm. but also for a myriad of reasons i wasn't ready to start a new openly kinky blog that was open that was free to everyone so i i basically started a private passworded um site that is basically a writing project that just sort of is hosting whatever at this point and like 50 people 40 50 people have the password to it and i'm probably going to just expand that on a one-off basis as I, as people ask one thing you wrote is uh you wish there were more people in the world like you oh that you asked me that the last time we interviewed um yeah i guess is there more to that question Look. <laughs> <laughs> i mean what would be cool about what would you like about having more people like you because i should say this i know you're not egotistical i want to say that again well I mean, that is an egotistical thing to write. And one of the reasons that I wrote it on a post that only 40 people could read is because I was like, well, uh, you know, Um, I think that there is something intrinsically egotistical about saying, well, I don't know anybody else like me. I'm awesome and special. Me. Um, Which. (laughs) Well, I don't think, I don't think, um, it didn't come off like that. It came off like there are certain qualities that I have or things, certain things that I'm into or certain things that I enjoy that not enough people enjoy as well. You know, you want to be broad about it. Like, I do wish that there were more people who ha- I knew who sort of had a similar background to me. And in that particular case, it's with events. Um, and I know the thing, the other thing is that I know that there are definitely people out there that I just don't know yet. And I'm not great at making friends and I'm not great at like going out and finding new people and sort of, um, I have to balance that statement with the completely open statement that I'm not great at trying to find those people. So, you know, to some degree, that is a little egotistical and whining because, like, oh, there's not enough people like me, but I'm not taking the effort to go out and meet people. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I try to meet people and I try to really be open and, and and seek out the things that I that I care about as much as possible. But 
have to balance that with I, I, I suck at meeting new people. <laughs> um, I find this hard to believe. I always imagined you were you were made friends and met new people pretty easily. I mean, I, I meet new people fairly easily, and and I think that when I click with people, it's not hard for me to become friendly with them. But it's it's very hard for me to like go into a room and not know anyone. Mm-hmm. Like it's really really very terrifying and not something I enjoy yeah. at all. Like I I recently you know for my for my work um, started having to attend networking events a lot mm-hmm. they're fucking terrifying you like walk into a room of you know i work in like finance and banking so like usually walk into a room of older men yeah not always but sometimes um you know i work in like tech startups so like these are people who are very tech heavy they're people who are older they're people who have financial experience i don't know any of them and i have to like basically like have an assignment to meet 10 people get their business cards and find out what they do and yeah. It's the hardest part of my job, by far. I, I hate it. Really? And I still do it, and I think I do all right, but it's it's really tough. Um, when, I wrote, when I wrote that, what I was really um, sort of thinking about is that I don't... Because of the way that my, my friends have come together and because of the people that I know and things like that, I don't really know anyone who's following my personal trajectory. And that's not bad by any means, but it's also at times a little a little confusing and, and sort of something that I wish I knew a little bit more about because um, on the one hand, uh, I know a ton of very capable, very amazing people, which is, you know, just incredibly gratifying. And on the other, I don't actually know a lot of people who are doing some of the things, have chosen some of the things that I've chosen in my life. Like I have very distinctly chosen a corporate career that is not just a job. It is in fact a career Mm -hmm. um, that I hope will progress in a way that, you know, gets me into a big company or gets me, you know, running stuff, things like that. And that's a really intense culture to be a part of, especially to be a part of when you're also openly kinky and queer. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to meet more people who were in the corporate world and also openly kinky and queer and there just aren't a lot of them out there and also things like um people who are my age who are running events um and there are definitely some of them and they're definitely capable and they're definitely fantastic people and and i i sort of know a few people on the periphery like that but i don't have any close friends sort of whom i know who are also dedicated in that way in my age range um i'm actually thinking that i may I'm sort of tossing a coin on this one. I may try and go to the Leather Leadership Conference in LA this April and uh, and see who they're... Just meet people. Try and meet more people who are really doing organizational work in BDSM. BDSM. And so you'd like to go to a networking at. event? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would like to go to a networking event where I walk in and I know that everybody's someone whom I'm interested in for like legitimate personal reasons. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but it's interesting because, uh, I just sort of really recognize that I wanted to maybe do that very recently. And that coincides with me kind of making a conscious choice that I wasn't going to do events Mm -hmm. any longer. So it's weird to be at a place where I'm like, oh, I could take this to the next level and I could really like become a power organizer and, and, and do a lot 
of different things and make a long-term sort of space for myself within these communities around event organization. What about Kink for All? Let's briefly talk about Kink for All as well. I know you talk about you talk about that. Kink for All is a very different beast when it comes to event organization. It's really it's much more low impact and it's and it's exciting and I mean like not that it's not all exciting in its own way. Um but it's much more low impact and it's a lot more broad and there's a lot honestly less overhead. Yeah. Because King Frawl is very easy. A King Frawl event is, is is very low overhead to because pull off. Because once you have the location... Once you have the location and you are doing some advertising and you have some people signed up and like you've got a word of mouth sort of thing going, King Frawl kind of takes care of itself, which is one of its beauties. I, I, I was really amazed. Like the, the first one I went to, uh, you know, people you show up, you just sign where, where you want to do a presentation. Yeah, man. Within a few minutes, you can you know which classes you want to go to. People are bringing food. I know. You know, it's just, it's like... Well, because we have an amazing community of people who will who will dedicate themselves to getting something like that off the ground, which it is rem- fantastic. It reminded me very much like the potlucks when I was a kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Except instead of people breaking off and talking about Lutheranism, <laughs> you know... They were talking about, you know, they were talking about kink or sex or something like yeah. that. It was really very cool. It's it's very much a, uh, that's a really good way of putting it. It's very much a potluck mentality. Yeah. King, for all is, King for All is like a potluck event. Mm-hmm. You just everybody comes, everybody brings something, mm-hmm. everybody contributes. And at the end you have, you know, a great meal or a great event or a great experience. And that's fantastic. And it also brings in... The kinds of people who are who are ready to come and contribute and be there and bring something and that's fantastic. Those are those are amazing people. You want to talk about your partner Zach? Sure. How did that happen? <laughs> oh my God, I actually don't want to talk about how that okay. happened. Um, that it happened. It was an interesting time in our lives, and now we are together, and it's delightful. Can I'm, you explain your relationship, or I mean, explain your relationship. <laughs> Um, uh, we are, I don't know, it's not a relationship that I've ever, like, explained. We are boyfriend and girlfriend, I suppose. I tend to use the word partner pretty, pretty just much across the board, because I like having a gender-neutral term for Mm -hmm. a person who's involved in my life in that capacity. Um, he lives in Providence. I live in New York. We see each other... We try and see each other every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very happy together. I think. I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's a good it's a good uh, good relationship. And he is uh, very talented, and I love I love watching him work and make things. He has his own business known as Clockstone Studios, and he makes machines, basically metal everything. Um, tools to functional objects to artistic objects um he does uh big work for things like he's made frames for punching bags for gyms to he's doing like a railing for a music venue in providence right now um to tiny things like he makes these fascinating little screw top boxes that are made of brass and gorgeous 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 um and he had he and i have if not similar aesthetics, then similar sort of a similar sort of approach to aesthetics, but we very much we both very much appreciate detail and craftsmanship and, and sort of a lot of care in the way that things are put together and presented to the world. And I love that. 
that's that's just a great thing. Um, he makes kinky things too. He does also make kinky things. He makes knives and hitty objects and pointy objects, and uh, he's a he loves uh, suspension. So he's he is a total total regular geek, mm-hmm. um, and makes suspension frames, uh, which are fantastic. Uh, made the big rig for uh, floating world, like the big like huge three story three point suspension frame that was just fantastic um that was really very cool um yeah and he and i are are now sort of working together to do this uh this project called 500 hammers where every it used to be every week but we're thinking we're going to push it to maybe every other week because we're both a little too busy Mm -hmm. um every every time i interview a person about sort of the way that they interact with the world and a little bit about themselves and sort of what their interest is in in physical objects and also talk to them about a specific thing that Zach can make for them. You know, a relatively low impact something or other, like we've made like a little metal purse for a friend. We made a tie rack for Jack who writes Writing Dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, we made a spatula for some friends of ours who are getting married, who are big, big into cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way the process goes is I interview them, I sort of post uh, their interview a little bit about them about what we're gonna make for them and then Zach takes a certain amount of time to make it and then we post like a maker's process like how the thing came to be which I am fascinated by because like there are so many objects in our lives that we just have no clue how they how they come into existence and we take for granted too. Yeah, yeah we absolutely take for granted and so he sort of takes photos of all the processes and how they're put together and how he makes things and all the different tools and uh, and and it, it ends up being this really really fascinating I think series so I love it. Where, and can, where w- can someone find it? Uh, someone could find it at uh, clockstonestudios.com. It's called the Five Hundred Hammers Project, mm-hmm. and we instantly really need people to interview. Plug. Um, so you know you can email Five Hundred mm-hmm. Hammers at clockstonestudios.com, or you can email me, or you could leave a comment. Like we, I sort of have been sourcing our interview subjects from like my friends and mm-hmm. people we know and. You know, just people we run into, and people, and everyone I talked about is really excited and thinks it's very cool. But a lot of people sort of, they get a little clammed up when I ask them what we could make for them, because I think people sort of are like, oh, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know what you could make for me, because I don't know what I would, what I would want. But it's, I, I keep finding that if I talk to someone for more than five minutes about the project, they come up with something. They're like, oh, you know, like I really like you know, X, Y, Z, like, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm a designer and I really need a place to put my, you know, my pencils when I'm at my desk. Can he make me like a stand? Like easy, easy, mm-hmm. simple stuff. Um, everybody's got something like that. One, th- one thing we talked about last time uh, that I was kind of fascinated by as well as, uh, you know, I, one, one thing I'd like to do is sort of kink from around the world mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, briefly focusing on different parts of the world and how what their scene is like. You can kind of start this off a little bit, and we can talk a little about uh, about Australia, I where you lived try. for about a year. Yeah, I lived in Australia for a year and two weeks, mm-hmm. almost exactly, maybe three. So I think it's safe to say you're an expert. On the... I mean, meh. No. the thing is, no. uh, I lived in Australia for a year. I had 
a decent amount of exposure to the scene while I was down there, although not a huge amount. Partially because I was, you know, in grad school and working full time mm-hmm. and busy, per usual. Um, um, but also, um, curiously, I just realized this. It's actually been a year and a half since I came back, which time fucking flies. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so for all I know, my statements about, you know, the scene, the way it was a year and a half ago could be completely wrong at this point. So I don't really know. But I mean, I can certainly speak a little bit to my experience with the scene while I was there, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I don't know. It's it's a, it's an interesting and and almost a, honestly kind of a difficult question because my experience with the scene while I was down there was very colored by my experiences while I was there. Just my general mindset and where I was in my life and things like that. And I did not have a great I did not have a great experience in the scene. I had in some ways a very good one, and I met a lot of really really great people. Like I met uh, Mistress One Sixty, who I think is still writing, who was very cool, mm-hmm. and her partner. Um, and they were fantastic to to us. Um, and I met a lot of people who hosted great parties and things like that. But like, I never really found my place there. Um, I think for a variety of reasons. Um, one was that, you know, the parties we were going to were sort of a they were a specific sort of take on kink that I had sort of been through and had moved away from, which was a little bit more um, BDSM focused and uh, very much about the kink space and the kink aesthetic and the the actions of BDSM. Um, and my, my interests at that point were going a lot more broad and I was more interested in queer spaces and more interested in sort of uh, different sort of sort of sort of sort of whatever <laughs> um, oh, I understand I, I got less interested in that sort of party right around the time that I started going to those parties and that was that was not to say they were not great parties because they were but they didn't hold a lot for me and the other thing was that while we were down there sort of Sydney some of the folks in Sydney started started teaching classes and started bringing in people to do sort of local presentations in a way that I think I got the impression was relatively new in Sydney at the time, that there wasn't a lot of kink education really going on. And, and you know, I could be completely wrong. Maybe that's changed. Maybe they've really gone out from there by now. And I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But um, there really wasn't the incredible drive to educate from all around the same way that there is in New York. Um, there was a lot of focus on getting outside presenters and people from the United States and people from other countries to come in and present. And there wasn't a lot of like local learning going on in a very, in a, in a formalized way. Obviously there's always learning going on in, in informal ways whenever you put a community like that together. Um, and I really missed that because that was a big part of my, my love of the New York scene was just the, the incredible amount of education and the incredible opportunity to go to, you know, a class and learn anything, which you couldn't do in Sydney. And that, that was tough for me. Um, but they, they like, they, they've started like the, the need was there and the, and was beginning to be filled and sort of starting to, to roll while I was there. So I think that I, I hope that that's still going and that there's more education there and more things going on. And I also hope that that scene sort of uh, gains more webs with um, other parts of Sydney that were more queer focused and more sort of trans focused. And like, there is a good, there's a very, very active queer community in Sydney. 
that I really didn't get a chance to tap into mm-hmm. that I really didn't find until like two months after I two months before I was leaving um, partially because I just didn't really know where to go partially because I was busy and partially because I was terrified like I was scared <laughs> um, so I I would hope to see more webs start happening there you said uh the parties you went to were very BDSM focused. Yeah. And you would, at the time, you were looking for more of a queer focused. Yeah. Kind of Can you explain when you walk into a party, what's the difference between the two? You know, <laughs> there's I mean, there's ne- not necessarily a difference between the two, and I didn't actually really say that that well. Um, how do you, how, I mean, if you walk into a party, how do you know which one is which? My sexuality is, is not really just kinky, and I don't really think of it as just like, oh, by the way, I like to hit people mm-hmm. or something like that. It's very much about, I like, I, I'm interested in things like conversations around gender and around gender identity and the way that our sexualities influence the way that we present to the world and the way that our um, our gender and sexual identities mesh together. Um, and I'm interested in playing with people of all different stripes and uh, learning about their experiences from many different perspectives. And that broad focus to me that I sort of put that under the umbrella of queer because those are the spaces in which I found that kind of attitude most, most frequently. Um, and, uh, that's not everybody's interest and it was not really the interest of the people who are at these parties. So, you know, that was less engaging for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, it's just a personal preference thing. Um, and that's not to say that, 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 sort of fluid fluidity of both sexuality and gender and and just identity and um is not very present in sydney but it was never something it was never a community of people that i really found uh while i was there and i and i do regret that in all honesty and there was also um there's a very there's a very active uh lgbt uh sort of community in Sydney, they've got a great queer center. Um, they've got a really thriving gay district. They have a great sort of lesbian culture. Um, I went to, while I was down there, I went to like a young women's group with a bunch of other people who were uh, women identifying as, as being attracted to women basically was the way that it was sort of phrased. Um, all under 25, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, or at 25, as the case may be in my for me. Um, and that was fantastic, and I met some amazing women while I was there. Um, but the, the center, that community center, had like never taught a kink class, ever, in the entire time they'd been in existence, and that was remarkable to me, like really stunning, remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that has has grown and changed because I think when I came in and started sort of talking to the people there, like the people who ran my group and things like that, about my interest in the fact that I was really surprised that they weren't doing even basic kink education there. Um, they like openly were like, yes, that is a thing we wish to be doing. That mm-hmm. is something we want to have happen. So all the ones were there and, and I can, I can only hope that they've, that they've uh, expanded and grown out and done and, and made that happen. And I hope to go back and, and find that, you know, the scene is still full of great people, which it is. And that they're talking to each other more than ever, which I hope. Yeah. No. I, I I mean I wish that I could tell you like oh yes this this that and the other thing and here's what you should expect when you go there but I honestly just didn't yeah. get enough exposure to while I was down there to answer the question. Well, still, it was very 
It was very enlightening. Thank you for, for sharing the first. <laughs> Tried. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing the first kink from around the world this time. From you could be a uh, uh, a Yay. kink correspondent, international I would, kink correspondent. I would. I would. I would highly encourage you to to just reach out to some folks in australia mm-hmm. who are because the other thing is that like australia i hear here's something about about the australian kink scene they have a ton of sex bloggers a ton mm-hmm. of sex bloggers are based in australia yeah. like remarkably yes. so um or in new zealand and some of them are fantastic and they're all very interesting um and they're very you know accessible. So I would recommend that you ask one of them for uh, an interview. This episode of the Massacast is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Type in EFCast, that's E-F-C-A-S-T, to save 20% on your order. EdenFantasies.com. One thing about Zach that we didn't really cover is I was curious about what your dynamic is with Zach. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I am still a top, per always, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and and dominant and Zach is a switch, and I'm not exactly sure how much of his sexuality he wants me to be talking about on the air. But um, he's a switch, mm-hmm. and he is a delightful top, and I love watching him top. And he's also a delightful bottom, and I love having him bottom to me. Um, but our dynamic is very much um, DS focused, mm-hmm. and that's wonderful, and it's been very, very exciting. And it's it's been interesting to sort of. Um, be in that dynamic with him and also have other partners and have him have other partners and see him sort of being a top with other people. And I really like that other side to him. And we've also done some co-topping, which has been really fun, mm-hmm. really fun. Um, when you're co-topping yeah. with him, do you still top him while he's co-topping someone else? It depends. Yeah. It depends on the, on the person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, uh, you know, that's, I feel like I've become, um, I feel like I've become a little bit more, maybe a lot more closed in about the wanting to be like, I do these things with my sexual life and isn't it awesome? And yeah. I had these orgasms in this order and everything was amazing. Like, I, eh, no, you sure. know, we have a good relationship, but I don't think that it's really radio worthy. It's no, wonderful and, and I love it. You have to wait for the book. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to wait for the book. Well, I'm curious about uh, when it comes to poly relationships, when mm. it comes to... Uh, first off, you don't live in the same city. No, which um, is tough, but we it, manage. It must be tough. Um, how does communication happen when it comes to playing with other people? Do you? Is it just pretty much? Hey, whatever happens, happens. I trust you're going to be practice safely. Mm-hmm. I'll practice safely, and we'll all be awesome. Or is it sort of a? Hey, listen, I met someone, um, and I'm thinking of doing this to them. It's um, more the former than the latter. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. I feel that. I mean, you know, we haven't quite figured it all out yet, so it's an ongoing process. And maybe there someday there'll be someone who will come along who will upset sort of the way that we do things, or mm-hmm. or we'll have to figure it out, learn it, learn anew. But at the moment, we're very much go have fun, mm-hmm. like we are each other's. I, I I read this recently in an article, and I cannot remember where I read it. It may have been something that Sinclair Sexsmith wrote um, about being each other's cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of the role we take for one another where if we've got, if I find out that he is playing with someone or, is ha- or has a partner or is doing something, I think that that is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of the same way. And that is a conveniently meshed perspective. Um, we have certain restrictions around sort of sexual barriers and we have, you know, 
a very sort of, in my case, and I think also in his case, very conscious uh, intention of being very open about like, these things are happening in my life. And, mm-hmm. and these are the people that I'm interested in. And, and I'm personally currently, currently blessed with uh, a few amazing play partners here in the city whom I love to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the challenges beyond that of like, maybe we're doing relationships or things are happening or etc. are not something we've, we've, um, we've yet figured out, but I don't think that there's any pressure to figure them out. And I'm sort of like, you know, we've managed, like I'm sort of dating, I would say dating's probably the right word, a uh, very nice, very, very pretty and lovely woman here in New York, whom mm-hmm. I'm like, kind of a little head over heels with. And I only say that because I know she won't listen to this. Um, Gee, thanks. <laughs> um, she only listens to smart podcasts. No, she's she's just, it's, I don't think that she'd ever connect with this particular podcast. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that's a thing. And we're sort of all trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And it works. And, you know, it's a little bit like, yeah. both Zach and I are up for like, okay, hey, we have to talk. Let's talk. Yeah. Hey, these things are going on. Hey, we're both very open and honest, but we don't like, there, there, there's no pressure. There's no pressure to figure it out. One thing that I've always, that uh, I think I we briefly talked about this before hmm. uh, in the last time, the first time I interviewed you. Very first time. Very okay. first time. Ages and ages ago. And that is um, being around people like yourself makes me feel a little self-conscious in that I don't think about my sexuality that much. Hmm. Okay. You know, I think about sex a lot, and I think about sex that I like a lot. But uh, per usual, yes. <laughs> I did an interview with someone, and I also heard Dan Savage say something similar to this as well. And I did an interview with someone recently, and he was he, he's sort of a switchy guy. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of experience with dudes mostly, and mm-hmm. and he was talking about how straight guys are not forced to think about their sexuality that much, right? What am I missing? Am I missing something from not having thought about it? Or is it is it just because, like Dan Savage and some other of my friends say, is it just straight guys are just being kind of given their sexuality? I, I, I don't necessarily know if it's that straight guys have been given their sexuality and the rest of us haven't and have to figure it out. I mean, it's certainly true that um, women who are conscious of the fact that the, the male gaze is completely rampant throughout our culture have to sort of re-image a lot mm-hmm. um, and that that can be tough. Uh, but it might, I don't know. Honestly, I'm just kind of a geek. Like I'm a sex geek mm-hmm. and I know it and I dig it and it's a lot of fun. And so I really enjoy thinking about myself, mm-hmm. of course, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy thinking about uh, sex as a, a broader sort of marker of one's life more than just like, Hey, I'm getting my rocks off, mm-hmm. but also, Hey, this is, this is interesting. And this is a part of my entire being. And that is where these ideas of like identity and, and development and, and come in because if it's just, Hey, I'm getting my rocks off. Um, you know, there's no real need to sort of suss out the ways that my areas of sexual interest influence the rest of my life um but you know they do influence the rest of my life and Mm -hmm. i can see that and i can understand like you know it it interests me why people like certain things and it interests me why my partners like me and why i like my partners and why other people i know 
like certain things that I don't get. And like, that's, that's cool. That's, that's a, that's an exciting prospect, but like, is that because of my identity? Maybe because I, I do, I did have to do, as we were saying earlier, I did have to do a lot of mental work to get to a place where I was like, I am different and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause in a lot of ways I am very different from a lot of sort of the people that I was raised by and the, the culture that I grew up in. Um, you know, so that's being kinky and it's being queer and it's being poly and it's um, being very gender conscious, if not gender fluid. I feel like I'm mildly gender fluid, but I think gender conscious is a better word. Um, if you mean mildly anything, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, that was never like, it was never my intention to, to sort of really geek out about that stuff. But if you're gonna spend that much time thinking about it eventually you either get really sick of it or you have to sort of become enthralled okay so i my my something i'm going to try to do in the next few weeks over the course of the next few weeks mm -hmm. is i'm going to try to think of why i mean I, again i've tried to think of why do i like bondage or whatever and i just I, it's so hard for me to come up with the answer to that question well there's probably because there are dozens of answers to that question and i depend upon the individual experiences you have with bondage at certain times like it's not it's not I can like make a broad generalization around why I kind of like a thing, but that's not always why I yeah. do it, and it's not always why I like it. But if if bondage always invokes certain feelings for you, uh, then maybe the answer is as simple as you just like feeling that way. Yeah. Like if bondage always makes you feel vulnerable, or if it always makes you feel safe, or it always makes you feel comforted, or if it always makes you feel, you know, or not even always, sometimes makes you feel. Uh, controlled and those are things that you get off on then that's as it could be as simple as that yeah. like really it could just be that easy it, the thing is that like digging into your your kinks and why you like things is not necessarily hard it's not necessarily complex and i think that that's something that people maybe don't understand or 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 people don't get the impression that it's very very complex and all like i've thought it like the people who are real sex geese have thought it through at every level and like that's not true <laughs> like it's not true well, at all maybe, maybe that's it maybe i am overthinking it maybe maybe it's, it may just be that you're overthinking it. maybe i'm simple maybe i'm easy like I'm, Sunday morning. I'm, I'm honestly not that complicated i'm pretty easy i like the things i like and i know i know the things that get me off and they are very excuse me they're very specific and they are very specifically showcased by people that i play with mm -hmm. and that's it like it's i'm despite me being a real sex geek Actually, like, pinpointing what gets me off is very easy. Mm -hmm. And most of my partners know this. So, you know. You mentioned you have multiple play partners. Mm -hmm. How do you manage multiple play partners? How do you... Google Calendar. Go <laughs> no. <laughs> you laugh, but I actually really recently just started using Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm talking two days ago. Because I realized that my scheduling was crap. Yeah. And I really needed to So schedule. you send invites and someone has to accept no, the invite no, before no, the, you know. No, 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 not, not. I'm sorry. I did want well, to tie you, you up today, but you did not accept. <laughs> what did you mean by, what do you mean by manage? Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example is that when I used to play around a lot, mm -hmm. um, I found it difficult to, you know, if, because I would have, I had kinky play partners mm -hmm. that were, you know, I'd play every now and again and it was always... Because that was always very much a, a take what you can get type of situation. So it was very much, sometimes it would be coffee. It would be coffee, meeting someone for the first time. Then, okay, I've got this party that I can go to. And also, uh, I've got this vanilla sex partner. And then I've got this other, you know. And I imagine with multiple play partners, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe they're emailing you for maybe like, hey, I could really use X today. And you're like, oh, I can't do that because I'm doing this with X to tomorrow. Uh, you, that, that is sort of structured upon the, the concept that I have my partners emailing me saying, hey, I want to do X, which is not really, is that, is not really how it happens. Um, you know, I, I am, I am, I would say currently playing with three people who mm-hmm. are based in New York. Um, and they're all really fucking busy. Mm-hmm. And and playing with is wrong, the wrong word. Seeing in some in some capacity mm-hmm. um, on a semi regular basis, and one of whom is one of whom is the the very nice woman that I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, one of whom is just someone that I've met recently, whom I really really dig, mm-hmm. uh, but is very very sort of private around his involvement in the kink scene. And the other is Jack from Writing Dirty, mm-hmm. uh, who may not have expected me to say that. We can always loud, edit it but out. No, no, no. We don't have to edit that part out actually, because. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. Um, he's uh, he's actually written about our scenes a few times on his blog, and they're very hot. Yeah. Like, every time he does it, I'm like, yes. Um, and I will forever take credit for uh, turning him onto his Switch side. Forever. Yeah. I, I'm just going to... That's just how it's going to be. Um, are, you, are you turning into one of those dominant guys who says... Oh, the only reason why she, that woman's down is because they haven't played with me yet. Oh, ouch! So you're Hell saying, oh, no. the only reason why... Oh, that's pathetic. Oh, the only God. reason why Jack hasn't Ugh. submitted yet is because she hasn't played with me Ugh. yet. After you played with off. me, Get it off. and no. I made him submit. No. I mean, okay. No. Because it sounds like that's, that's exactly disgusting. what you just said. I know. But, like, that was... I was saying it more in a joke sort of sense because I think that, that he's... Jack is awesome and very open-minded and has found out a lot of stuff about himself recently. And mm-hmm. I happen to have been involved with him finding out that he is interested in switching. And I'm like... Because <laughs> you're such an awesome dominant? Is that what you're saying? No. Uh, just because it happened to work. I have, in fact, played with a lot of uh, dominant guys as the top. Yeah. And I am I am very blessed in that sense that, that I have a... I, I, I make friends... With Downit guys on a semi-regular basis, and I have made friends with a number of Downit guys who have wanted to try bottoming, and I have happened to be their choice of person. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they then become bottoms by any means at all. No. Um, It just may be that I happen to have developed a number of friendships where that's the right dynamic. And there's like, hi, I'm a one-time person. I'm respectful. I am very conscious of the ways in which you are sort of exploring we'll explore together and you know the flip side of that is that i have bottomed and tried bottoming and that doesn't make me a switch nor does it mean that i'm going to like go out and be like oh i've ever since i started playing with x now i'm like that's not no i veto that entire concept um anyway managing multiple partners most of the people that i'm that i'm interested with and playing with right now are very fucking busy all the time. We're all very fucking busy all the time. So we're we're less like it's less very much less likely for me to get two people demanding my time and much more likely for me to email someone and be like, "Hey, do you want to get together next week?" and for them to be like, "I have 80 million things planned. I have no idea." Right. Cuz I just happen to apparently be attracted to and attract people who are really fucking busy. Um so that management, I mean, it's been interesting and there's definitely like I feel like I sort of have to not not uh sadly at all i actually love this but i sort of try and a lot a little bit of time each week to sort of check in with these people and be able to be like hey do you want to hang out can we see each other etc because i'm excited about you know i'm excited about the prospect of 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 having some more partners in the city long term whom i'm really engaged with and and excited about and want to play with on a long-term basis that's awesome and you'd prefer to 
It sounds like you're saying you prefer to meet more dominance that you can show them that they're really submissives because they play with you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just I know I know because I should say that you're you're the, like the one of the least egotistical people. So. Uh, the thing is that I try very hard to not be egotistical. Very no, I know. Well, it's hard not to be egotistical when you're the best. Well, I don't think I'm the best. Right. But I also uh, used to kind of be a snot-nosed brat in a lot of ways, and, and I grew up a little bit, and I don't ever want to be that again. Yeah. You know, I was 12. What are you going to do? <laughs> you were pretty awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so form screen questions? Sure. Yeah. Um, this one was sent in specifically, apparently, because it just came in after I sent the call out. Oh. Are there any kinks or potential partners? Excuse me. Let me rephrase. I'll come in again. <laughs> Are there any kinks that a potential partner could have that would be a total deal breaker for you? Fascinating. Someone asked that question of me specifically? That's uh, such I, I, an well, it question. could have been just coincidental, but I, I said, uh, hey, if you have any questions, do this here. And... Uh... I'm going to go with no. It depends on the person. There are some kinks out there and some some scenarios out there that I would never, ever do. And there are some kinks out there that I think are not my cup of tea, so to speak. I think it's the right way to put it. But I would be pretty much okay with any kink if the person telling me that they had this kink was respectful, aware of, and very, very conscious of consent and wanted to, if they were going to explore, explore in a safe, aware, engaged, respectful way. Any, like, because that's, there are, you know, ways to role play almost anything. Um, so, like, that wouldn't turn me up. That wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have someone come to me up to me and say, hey, I want to do X with you or with someone else, but I want to do it, you know, in a safe structure. There might be some instances in which i would say no thank you but there would never be instances instances in which i would say in that situation fuck off um when you know i i would probably phrase this question differently but when working with a new sub slash slave what are the, some of the things you make sure to address protocol rituals communication body language and how do you train someone who's never sub before i guess maybe the overall is that question, a question for me specifically this is too? this is one that no this is this is oh, that's an, an older one. this is one that has never been asked. this is this was actually asked a couple of weeks ago um so basically when you're about to play with someone Who's never the thing is that before. the way the way that the the question is phrased is totally wrong. For me. Right, right. This is why I guess the question how it should be like what do I do when I'm playing with someone new, basically? Well, well, they're saying when when someone who's never subbed before, which in your case is quite often because you pretty much only switch dominance who have oh, never subbed before oh, because oh. that's what they're. I do I do uh, play with people who are new on a relatively frequent basis. Is there anything you do specifically? It looks it sounds like this is someone who maybe is experiencing this. They're playing with people well, who are first timers. Well, I mean that's a, it's a hard it's a hard question to ask if you're playing with first timers like what should you do next? Um I I I feel particularly blessed in that I often play with people who are relatively new. And the reason that that makes me feel blessed is because I I can openly acknowledge and and understand that these are people who are trusting me. And yeah. that's a big deal. Like, it's a big deal to trust. It's a big deal to trust a top to top you if you're a top. Yeah. Like, it's a big deal if you're dominant to say, I want to try this. That's huge. That's yeah. a big thing. And I think that one of the reasons that I end up, you know, being in that role, whether it's for people who are trying to sub for the first time or people who are trying kink for the first time, is that it, I understand. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how that translates to advice. I think it's important if you're playing with someone new to be very like 
conscious of the fact that it's new and say to them like you know this can be a big thing if you mm-hmm. need it to be it doesn't it's it's it doesn't have to be like a oh whatever we're just gonna try this little thing it's not a big deal don't worry about it like yeah. what because you don't have any idea how big of a deal it is yeah. it could be a fucking enormous deal yeah. um and i don't ever like to belittle someone's experience in that way um i think that that's a very a very bad thing to do basically um typically when i'm playing for someone with someone for the first time if if they've never never bought them before i will like sit them down and talk to them about what they like or like what kind of porn they they watch or what they want to try or like whether they like sensation or whether they think they like pain or whether they've ever done anything kinky or and and it's very rare for me to play with someone who's never done anything kinky that's like very very rare um or whether they think that kink is sexual or whether they think that kink is something that's just sort of like a bonus or you know do they expect us to end up kissing at the end? Yeah. Do they expect me to be mean? Do they want to like do something? But like, I am a pretty experiential uh, top, and I I like to try things. And so I will usually what I will try and do is usually set up a, a structure wherein wherein the person I'm playing with trusts me, and I trust them to take care of themselves that they understand how to stop me, that they understand there is a safe word, that Mm -hmm. there is a structure. Um, And then just try things and say, okay, we're going to try this lightly and then we're going to try it heavier and you're going to... And there's a lot of give and take and it's all very like, okay, this and that. So like, yeah. that Like the question, the way it's asked, I can't answer. I have no way of doing that. Here's, by the way, for those people listening, fun fact about Mm. you. Oh dear. Uh, All of your safe words are in Elvish and almost impossible... (laughs) Impossible to pronounce. <laughs> sure. So you can never stop the scene. Whatever. <laughs> I just like the word Elvish. Uh-huh. Yeah, I watched right. Lord of the Rings the other day and I was like, mm. it just sounds funny. Oh, man. Uh, why does uh, the Wrath of Khan, the end of Wrath of Khan, make you teary-eyed? Oh. <laughs> so that is That was asked by someone who reads my Twitter stream, too. Mm-hmm. Um I had actually, I thought I had never seen The Wrath of Khan, and I watched it last night and realized I definitely saw it as a child. Um, I just didn't remember. Um, But I was a huge Star Trek geek. Huge. Come on. Like, so much. Uh, When I was younger. And Spock dies, and it's sad. Hello. He's one of the best characters ever. And I know that he comes back and all this crap. But, like, it's still a big deal. But it was actually... My Star Trek exposure when I was younger was Next Generation. So yeah. it was Picard. It was like that yeah. one. And so the like seeing the original Star Trek cast and seeing Kirk and Spock and, and all of them sort of that is to me simultaneously new and very familiar because it's the world's very familiar, but they're a little new. Like I've seen a lot of the shows, but like I wasn't I wasn't as there with them as I was with the new, the next gen people. But like I remember as a child every night Star Trek came on at 7 o'clock, and I would be in front of the television saying the speech along with the card. <laughs> These are the voyages <laughs> of the Starship <laughs> Enterprise, <laughs> you know? It's continuing it's continuing mission. mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. <laughs> did you like when they switched it from man to one? Yes. Yeah. I did like that. And and one of the things that, like, sort of caught me at the end of Wrath of Khan, which I had forgotten was that he doesn't say these are the missions these are the voyages he says these are the continuing voyages yes. of the starship enterprise and i was like that is different uh, and like i had this like flashback moment of like oh my god i remember that tear because i'm an enormous geek what are you gonna do well I, I remember when i first saw the wrath of khan 
I, I rented it on VHS. I'd never seen it before. Mm. I was probably in, in college or something like that. I can't remember when it was. But I rented it, and I rented The Search for Spock after that, and I still didn't... They're so stupid. I, I, I knew, clearly, I could tell by the title of the next one. <laughs> that he that, didn't that die. he didn't clearly die. But at the same time, I'm like, no. 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 <laughs> um, what kink-friendly superpower would you like to have, speaking of geekery? Did that question just come in? No. Oh, good. Because I have had that conversation recently with someone. I would bet a lot of money if it was them. Right. Um, kink-friendly superpower. I want mind powers. I want mind control and also mind reading. All of it. Yes, that. Like the, the distinction between mind control and being able to read minds is it would be cool to read minds, but I would rather be able to control minds and read them at the same time. I would imagine as, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I mean, I suppose you'd be really be able to literally, I mean, you'd really be able to get into someone's head literally, right? And you yeah. make them think one thing or another, like. Oh, come on. That'd be awesome. Um, that is such a king-friendly superpower. With, that would be amazing. But mind control, I mean, you, there is no submission with mind control. You, is that what you like about it? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is this very sort of fun and evil aspect of like emotional control and, and force and lots of, lots of, lots of concepts and things. I would take over the world. <laughs> That's what I would do. Um, it's not exactly a kink agenda. It's more just an, a broad level agenda. Which, this is a question I'm going to ask here now. Mm. Um, and that is, which doctor would you prefer to sleep with? Which, I mean, who's oh, your... tenant. Really? Hello. Yes. I love him. I have not actually seen any of the new doctor. Are there different doctors that you'd like to do different things with? Like, is there a doctor I... you'd like to mm. spank more than the doctor you'd like to... <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I honestly have only really... First ten, however many doctors there were before yeah. then, I don't have a lot of knowledge of. I can't believe you. That's just so hard to believe. My, my Doctor Who geekiness is a relatively new uh, thing in my life, like right. as of like a year ago. Is there anything else specifically you'd like to talk about? Um, uh, no, thank awesome. you for having me on. Thank I, you for doing I, this. I love coming and doing this. This is very I, fun. Hopefully you'll do it again. I'm sorry that I didn't give you any juicy details. Uh, this was fine. <laughs> what we'll do, we'll just have to ask every dominant guy in town. <laughs> Uh, all the details sure. because you probably okay home, so. we'll see what happens all right well i love giving you crap and i love mm. talking i'm going to start you Good on the you. other doctor who's too so rock thank yes. you thank you thank you to sarah it's you know it's so hard to condense a conversation with her down to under an hour because she's got so much good stuff to talk about so i'll probably use some of those excerpts on a on a future episode coming up on the next few episodes we've got um delano from delano bound you can go to delanobound.com right now and check it out he's someone who i've been looking forward to talking to for such a long time and i'm so glad he sat down with me also uh, a listener calls in and masturbates with a unique toy using the voicemail number 917-720-7304 i think you could call it technically masturbating you'll just have to you'll have to listen to find out also a massacast profile on fat life go ahead and friend me there and um yeah always appreciate your suggestions always appreciate your questions for for the uh, interviewees thank you so much for listening once again this episode has been brought to you by eden fantasies Visit EdenFantasies.com, browse their extensive library of personal toys, bondage gear, sexual health products, and much, much more. You'll also find product reviews from orgasm seekers just like yourself. Look at their free sex positive magazine, Sexes Magazine, for stories, advice from your favorite sex bloggers. And don't forget, enter EFCast upon checkout. 
S-E-F-C-A-S-T, and you'll get 20% off your order. Of course, you can share your experiences, share your honest reviews of their products, EdenFantasies.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.